Hey there, Girl Getters. My name is Carolee Moore. And I'm Melanie Rice, and you are listening to the Be More Mindful podcast. Now, are you an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur? Then you are in the right place because here we help you shift your mindset so you can transform your business. Today, we're going to be talking about mindset and innovation. It's definitely within everyone's dream and desire to build a business that is truly unique, that stands on its own, that is like nothing else. And it is amazing when we are able to talk to those people and kind of understand the mindset they had to, you know, be in to make something truly unique. I think a lot of people think that they're creating something unique and then they find out someone, you know, across the country or around the world has built that. Today, I think we have a one of one, right? (laughs) Yeah, with a truly unique find, the one and only Terrence Price founder of Maker's Gym here in Frisco, Texas, which we record out of. And he's got a really great story, born and raised in Memphis and built an entire career at some of the biggest agencies in New York as a creative director. And we were rather blessed to have him come to Dallas and use all of his innovative powers to create Maker's Gym. And he's the recently awarded Innovator of the Year from the Frisco Chamber. Congrats and welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here with you guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we can all track our passions, even the way that we are, the things that we're drawn to, to experiences or um, situations or even people in our lives. Can you talk about maybe an experience or a person or people that you believe impacted or influenced your your push to be one of one, your push to be like no one else? Well, of course, that was Along the journey, there's probably like a, several people that I can that comes to mind. Um, but growing up, I always were drawn. I was drawing. I drew a lot, and I never. I mean, it was just that. I was drawing graffiti, drawing homes, drawing um, people, a little bit of anything I can draw. That was that was my thing, right? Um, it wasn't until high school that I ran into uh, a teacher who was amazing. She introduced me to computers and how to digitize my drawings and things like that, right? And from there, we started doing competitions. She was like, hey, you're talented. Like, I think you should enter these competitions. And that ended up turning into placing like six in the nation in design in New York. That was my first time in New York. I had no idea. Um that I was going to be, you know, end up living there for six years. But that was that was an experience that was important and crucial to my journey now. And then I also had a good um, a good family friend that introduced me to contracts and like um, retainers, the concept of retainers versus just, oh, you're paying per project or per design, mm. per hour and things like that. Right. Um and that allowed me to come into college and have like my college on retainer for certain things and um, certain companies like working with St. Jude and things like that. I didn't. Wow. I didn't slight, have... slight flex. Just, no. just a little bit of a flex. <laughs> no, please flex. I mean, yeah. no, it, on purpose. Yes. No, yeah, That's, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these were things I was blessed to do along my journey. Uh, but it, uh, was, <laughs> it was it was. Um, I was exposed to to business and how to monetize my my um, my gifts early, so it's pretty cool. I think that's dope. Well, and that's super unique. That is really unique. I think um, um, most people who are trying to get into business and they're just starting to crack it open, they don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. And 
they seek people like that, but they don't even know who they need to know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's you probably didn't even recognize how much of a foundation you're really stepping on, because just hearing you say that, I'm thinking about how many people go into freelancing, my co-host included, and it's a powerful learning curve. So the fact that you had a foundation of people who gave you that contract knowledge and the the retainer idea is just how many years did it take you, Carolee, before you came across a retainer idea? Um, closer to 10. Oh, I I mean, I'm not even kidding. I think I created my first contract and I'm like not really even going to call it that. (laughs) It was just like, you owe me this. This is what I'm going to do. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. And here, and here is my PayPal link. Mm. And I I think I was doing something else even before PayPal. Like it was not at all professional because I, again, as a freelancer, just as a creative, you just like doing what you're doing and you're not thinking about profit, like setting up a structure so that you're not being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and you're not taught that if you're not, you're, again, you're not connected to people who are able to, to guide you in that way. Right. So your mindset is just like, I love doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep doing it. I feel bad charging people this much money because, oh, it's a small business. They might not have it. And so you're almost like chart, and I laugh, but it's not funny, charging poverty wages mm-hmm. to people where, you know, you're going to continue to be, you know, broke and poor and you're doing what you love to do. And there's like this romanticizing of that. Oh, and a starving like, artist. Uh, yeah. Really no. powerful in the innovation no, space. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what I'm hearing? The, the difference, like when you say retainer, Terrence, what, I'm, what I hear is the, that is the representation of the philosophy that I see here at Makers, the collaboration idea, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're just charging a poverty wage because you love what you do and you want to be a starving artist or you think you should be, Somehow mm-hmm. I hate that that's the culture, but it is. Yeah. That's transactional. Mm-hmm. But if you're on retainer with someone like St. Jude's, mm-hmm. you collaborate with them. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I, I want to hear a little bit more about maybe how that shaped even your early. I mean, you were doing that in college. So, I mean, did that. I can't help but think that has bled into so much of the work you do. Yeah. um, I mean, our whole thing is even here now is a big part of education and helping people understand Mm -hmm. how to properly monetize their business. You Mm -hmm. think about like learning about retainers early was probably one of the best things. Like I didn't have to work for anybody in college. Most people were like going to school and you're you're doing different things at uh, McDonald's or working two, working two jobs, <laughs> doing this, this and that. Like I would go to class and I would literally be doing what I love because I have people on retainer. Because uh-huh. um, you think about it, that's like a freelance salary. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get multiple medium sized retainers, that's you can live off of that. And it's guaranteed work for X amount of time, whatever the contract says. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and if they don't use their hours, they don't use they don't use the time that they're paying for. You still get paid. Yeah, that's up to mm-hmm. them. Um, and then also businesses sometimes prefer to to have freelance contracts like that versus having a liability of, of a full-time employee too. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that was just the advantages of that. That was a that was a big one for me. And I was most people, most of my friends, even my <laughs> even my frat brothers, they was like and everybody going out having fun and partying and stuff like that. And it was like, man, TP always, they call me TP. Uh, it was like, man, TP always like, he's always working, doing doing business, this, business, that. And and like, um, that was the best thing, honestly. That was the best foundation for me. It kept me out of trouble too. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine. Just, Call hands. Instead of doing dumb <laughs> stuff, you know. 
<laughs> I could listen. Um, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm I'm really curious because and we're talking about it, right? What was the first thing that came? What was the seedling um, of Maker's Gym? What was the the first idea that came that led to all of this? Um, like I said, being in the being in the advertising industry as an art director, um, you're exposed to so many different mediums. Um, whether that's whether that's um, like, for example, if you're doing a commercial, you know, you're exposed to the actual film part of it, the audio part of it, the coloring of the film, um, the editing process and the post but even before then is the planning the production side it's 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 a that's just commercial right and now you get into digital which is the the digital strategy the web design how did the, the web strategy flow with the campaign um it's you you pretty much touch so most most digital mediums um to properly do a 360 brand campaign and I just noticed that most people don't have access to that. Um, I, it was a short period of time. I, I left the agency in New York to help my wife build her fashion company. And, you know, we did several lines and um, I helped her with her branding. We were traveling around the world, showing different, showing in different cities, mm-hmm. um, which great, great time. Right. And the campaigns that we did, the content that we did were mm-hmm. like would have cost like tens of thousands right. of dollars normally. Um, but based on the, the network that I built in my agency world, I was able mm-hmm. to do this at a, at a more affordable cost. Because um, a lot of times when you're dealing with uh, agencies, you have so so much overhead to actually pay. You're paying for people who've been in a business uh, for so long in that C-suite, in that C-suite area um, on top of the people who's actually doing the work, right? Right. Um, and so I wanted to, to bridge that gap. I noticed that everyday people don't have access to the tools, the space, um, the people. Mm. The people mm. is, is important to do scalable projects. A lot of times, creators, you want to do stuff by ourselves. There's only so much you're going to be able to do uh, by yourself. And so we wanted to help people uh, have have a have a, a network that mm. they can use to actually scale their projects. Like, at some point, most... most um, at least in New York, we realize that some photographers, some of the best photographers, they don't edit their photos. No. But you have now <laughs> nowadays people want to do every single thing and be excellent. You may actually be better as a photographer than you are at editing. But you have some people that are amazing at editing. And but instead of properly doing the business and working with somebody, most people want to just do it all themselves. Ego. And get a yeah, and then get a uh, get a okay, you know, a decent, a decent project. Some people are really still good. Um, but like when you're talking about like beauty and like editing like beauty and stuff like that, that's a whole different every poor is every pore in the skin is important. But that's a derail and I'm gonna no. bring it back. <laughs> um <laughs> But but no, the core of it, the core of it is all about access and also creating something where creatives are at the core and appreciate it. Because that was one of the things that I I really recognized was that, like, it seems that creators are either the second thought or and or taken advantage of. And Mm so uh, we wanted to to solve that because I understand that creators are we in honestly, honestly believe that we all are. We all are creatives. Um, we all have gifts that we're responsible uh, with using and nurturing to to give and pour into other people. 
Um, we're just creating something to help people nurture those gifts and uh, creativity. As well. One B as a, of a question is, did you see it as a physical place or was your first thought to create a community and it didn't really matter if it was going to be like a physical, but did you see a physical building as part of like that initial idea? Yeah, I saw, I saw a physical space because uh, also being in New York, um, you know, I had the idea in 2016 and I want to say 2000. 13 was like around the time that we worked was like blowing up and mm. you know they started yeah. in soho like and it, i didn't know that yeah it was like yeah it was like it started mm. as a small building in soho like and they kind of it blew up from yeah i mean their, their journey is interesting it kind of it blew up it yeah blew, blew up, up and blew down i'm kidding <laughs> yeah that whole thing but that was just that was just like yeah. the traditional that was traditional co-working mm-hmm. um but i was like man but if you look at the business model, it's really just real estate and leasing out per square foot, you know. Yep. But I wanted to be like, hey, man, like, yeah, they're doing this for small businesses. Small businesses have and get funding. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can get your lease paid, your office mm-hmm. lease paid up for X amount of time. That's with investors or whatever. But, like, what about these individual creators, individual freelancers that don't they don't have access to that? They need a, They need a place where they can come. And not have all the overhead because most of us can't afford another lease on top of a three thousand dollar apartment at the time in New York, like that you want to, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, is no. That was like one of the things I was realizing. Like, who wants to pay for another office space? One, when I can create a, when I can create out of my home. Or mm-hmm. do. <laughs> Which a lot of us yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've definitely heard of all the makeshift studios. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so. Um, yeah, that was just that was where where we started and being in that area. Um, I I saw it as a physical space, but I saw the model was different. That's because okay. because I saw the needs were different. The reason our name is uh, Maker's Gym. It's not about the it's not about the physical strength. It's the creative strength, uh, creative <laughs> muscle, right? Um, but it's a direct parallel to the actual physical workout facility. So mm-hmm. the same barriers to entry for working out is um, like your the equipment. People can't afford, mm-hmm. most people can't afford the equipment or have the space to store the equipment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then you need the space to actually work out, create. Most right. people are like, yeah, I can afford it. I can afford a treadmill. And then, but I can't afford, I don't have the space to pretty much house all of that, right? And it's the same thing mm-hmm. as far as um, creative, creative facilities. And then the people, the training. Right. So mm-hmm. if you come into a workout facility, sometimes you need most a lot of people need trainers. Don't have, they're not mm-hmm. they need an environment to to walk in and feel inspired because somebody else is going hard next to them. That's true. And, yes. You know, yes. it's like, oh, mm-hmm. snap, I didn't I thought I was doing good, but they're doing excellent. Now I need to go yeah. harder. Right. Yeah. Or let me work and collaborate with them. Right. And and so that's the same parallels as the workout facility yeah. as we have in the creative industry and so that hence the name maker's gym yeah hence the name maker's gym a, a gym for creatives right um yeah it's just it's just the core i just noticed that was that was a direct parallel that was missing and that's why the business model changed versus just traditional co-working, co-working space to more of a, a membership-based um creative space i absolutely love that. i mean you i've already talked to mm-hmm. you about how that this space and its uniqueness is exactly what I feel like I've been looking for and any other creative that I've talked to has been looking for. It's beyond just the tools, it's the people. 
it's coming in here and seeing other people that are doing creative work. You get inspired immediately. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah, I've always, I remember reading an article about this place opening up and I was in a completely different field, not in the creative space whatsoever, but I was a new entrepreneur and I remember reading about it and what stood out was how unique the space was. What I don't remember them talking about was the collaboration opportunities, but I'm hearing that thread, even when you talk about your early childhood, how there was someone who introduced you to someone, to computers, to contracts, to, and how much of that, that stands out so much because, you know, what this podcast really is all about is helping people understand some of the, the mental blocks we have. And I think there's a lot given to us, that idea that, you know, you have to innovate by yourself. I feel like we all have that, I call it like the, the Thomas Edison effect. Mm-hmm. He was not a singular inventor. Mm -hmm. He had hundreds of people. He's responsible for thousands of patents because he had a team. Mm -hmm. And and I heard you say it, that key word there where you felt there was a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from genuine care and love that's been poured into you. And then consequently, you poured out to others and recognizing that no big, beautiful success, no award winning photographer works alone. Exactly. If nothing else, there's someone helping him drag his his mm-hmm. bags, book his appointments, edit his photos. There's not a singular success we see. There's not a singular beautiful thing that's created that is created all by itself. Yep. There's always someone, something in the background. Yep. And that is so missing for especially those who are aspiring to be a business owner mm-hmm. quietly. There's a big blockade out there where it's like, oh, well, I, I have to try to do this on the side. And they really struggle to find their tribe. And that can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. That was one advice that always drove me crazy. I was like, oh, find your people. And you're like, yeah, but where and when and how? And, you know, it's places like this, yeah. you know, that really make it. And I just wanted, I know we've touched on it like off mic, but I wanted to kind of hear it more from you again about the the key difference I heard in how you spoke was about the responsibility part. I think it's it's about how you let talent come to you through you versus mm-hmm. living up to it. And there's a lot of pressure when you're by yourself. Yeah. And so I, I'd like to hear just from your, you know, how you lived that experience of letting talent flow through you and stayed so open because I really think that's why we're here. That's why this was made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. I think one of the things that um, that we mentioned that we mentioned off mic, um, was about the gift. I know you, I kind of, <laughs> I know Carol Lee felt like I was downplaying a lot of things. Because he was. Um, I'm just a regular guy. I don't do anything. It's okay. Yeah. I'm I like, was just six in the nation in, yeah. in high school. No big deal. Win all kinds yeah. of awards. But, <laughs> and so, but yeah, I just, I just felt like, and that wasn't like a coming from a place of like insecurity of not mm. or not recognizing like my value. Mm. And I think that was me recognizing that uh, my gifts and my talents are that it's a gift, right? Mm. It's not like something that I created. That's not something that like I put in myself. Um, I feel like these are things that we're blessed with and that we have a responsibility to nurture, continually to nurture mm. and to to grow into. And so as as a as you're young people along the way help help expose you to these things and help help nurture these things right your environment sometimes help help your um your environment experience i feel like helps give a pathway 
or give a pathway for you to grow your gifts in certain ways, right? But whatever it looks like, I feel like we have a responsibility to use our gifts, uh, whether that's writing, whether that's uh, drawing, whether that's uh, singing, whether that's whatever it is. It can be a photography, videographer, whatever it is. Uh, some people like to go high level with storytelling. You know, stories matter. I'm learning that myself, right? And because mm-hmm. um, I like to be in the back background, but I've probably been on like three podcasts in the last <laughs> in the last two weeks. <laughs> Crazy, um, but no, this is. Um, but I also understand that, like, hey, if my story is valuable, I need to I need to tell tell these things, and that's also I, that's also where I feel like my journey becomes a gift mm. too, right? Um, well, like a gift that. for someone else, but. Um, yeah. It's- Speaking of journey, because I think that's really key. Um, because we talk the really cheesy uh phrase is like when, you know, your tests and your trials become your testimony. Um, sorry, I'm a church girl. <laughs> but I really I believe in when you when your story, your journey actually becomes the thing that is going to help someone. So just you existing and going through the things that you exist, you you did is now going to help someone shorten their path mm-hmm. to whatever their kind of innovation is. So I really want to kind of talk about that piece and your process because as much as it sounds all kind of flowery, like you moved from here and you did this and blah, and then boom, Maker's Gym just kind of happened. We know that's not what happened. Mm. <laughs> all that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, take us through the early days of from ideation, from the idea, right, and what it took to get it greenlit and and funded or whatever. You can give us the cliff notes, but I really want to want you to go through and and talk through the specific challenges and hurdles that you went through and how your your mindset, whether it was through people kind of feeding you through that or resources that you used. How was your mindset integral in kind of making it past those challenges for you? So two set, I guess, twofold parts of the question. Mindset from the beginning. Um, I've always, I've always been big on like faith mm-hmm. and um, in believing in in what God's put in me. So like what, so that's an if that's an idea that I have or that's something I want to bring to life, um, seeing it through and bringing it to completion, that's, that's, that's pretty major for me. Um, so the first step was put it on paper, mm. had an idea, put it on paper. Um, you know, we, we talked about, I don't like paper, so it was technically <laughs> digital. I uh, put it on, you put it on an iPad. I put it in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it would have been lost. Um, <laughs> but no, I, so I found, uh, one of my original business partners, he's, um, he helped me put it on paper. Like, I'm not a writer. Um, I would never pretend to be a writer. Um, so I, you know, it's like, hey, this is this is what we have. This is what we, you know, what I'm working on. And I need your help putting it on paper. And so basically there's even websites that I use. I can't, um, when I remember, I'll let you know. But it was there's websites to help you do business plans mm-hmm. uh, and structure business plans properly. Um, and so we use websites to help us format everything you know i think our original business plan is like 60 pages um something crazy amazing but it was uh that was the first step and it's amazing to see like i even built out this thing in multiple several phases and it's amazing to see okay like was it 2023 that we put that on paper in 2016 
and to see wow. some of these phases starting to activate and come to life now is uh it's it's amazing. So putting it on paper, um, not rushing, mm. not rushing, um, really taking your time to think through every detail, um, and not just doing it just because somebody else is doing it. Like figure out what makes you what makes your you your company unique your brand unique and um but not even just that i think the core of the business plan is starting with your problem and solution first because that's what drives everything at, at the core of it so like what are your what are your problems and literally all of my ideas came from how many ways can i solve this problem mm -hmm. um yep and then like you might have one arching overarching problem and then a whole bunch of small ones that came that mm -hmm. come from that for your target audience. Mm. Just I would have a brainstorming session just on how many ways can I solve a problem. The moment that I thought it was a physical space, the moment I like realized it's a physical physical space, I'm like, okay, how many ways can my this one physical space solve all these problems? Mm. And and so that would that drop that drove like inspiration for the type of technology we have, having everything turnkey. Uh, really easy to use everything in one place. If people are on their phones, their whole experience needs to be on their phone. Mm -hmm. Like how you interact with the space, the people, all of that, right? So that is um, that's kind of how I structured my my plans and ideas. But also being in the ad industry, the way we would concept campaigns and properly structure from the big idea, which is your big idea is always simple. Simple and powerful, and then you that has we call it having legs. So like, mm. if you have one big idea that's very simple, but you know very uh, well has a lot of legs, then you mm. then you can pretty much break out subcategories from there, mm -hmm. sub ideas, and and it gets it grows from there, right? But you can always go back to your core, and I feel like that's what my that's what putting it on paper looked like for me. Wasn't just writing it down because you can do simple business plans right. of just like, hey, uh, this is how we're gonna make money. This is the net. But I feel like when you're building something original mm -hmm. from scratch, you need to put that thing like really think through how you're gonna solve something that hasn't been solved before. Being intentional is yeah. what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Do this. Yeah, and I know you said from A to Z. I'm still on A. But I hear um, it. <laughs> but um, but that's the fount. A is important. I feel like if you don't, if you skip mm -hmm. through A, yeah, then you're not, you know, yeah. If I skip, if I start it already in the middle, I'm on P. No, you know, it's that's it's, gonna. I feel like you, you might set yourself up for failure. We're yeah. laughing, but it's the truth because a lot of people try to to run to the quote unquote sexy part, which is like let's create a logo. It's like you have no idea what challenges you're actually. What problem are you solving with your yep. business? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like what 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 sets your solution apart from the solutions that are already available? And the only way to do that is to do the research about what solutions are already out there. You know the WeWorks, you know, you know, all these kind of traditional mm -hmm. whatever. How does this now, this idea, take that and flip it on its head and be so that takes a lot of planning and a lot yep. more intention. So I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Of course, we're laughing because most Small businesses don't start there. Well, yeah. it's the opposite of hustle culture. It's like a hurry yeah. up and be successful. Yeah. Um, and I'm laughing because that's part of that. Um, there's a really great quote that I use all the time. I think it's so relevant in business. Slow is smooth. 
and smooth is fast. Mm -hmm. And we walk that walk even at the agency. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult because I am inherently, I want to go, I want to do, I want to like, I'm not patient. Just God shorted me on the patience. But I think when you slow down and you have, you remember that faith is more important than getting there. Mm -hmm. When, when the journey is the gift, Mm -hmm. sometimes the journey is the outcome. You have no idea because you don't have that vision. You're not meant for that vision. You'll see it later. Yeah. But I've had enough experiences now where I'm like, oh, you know, maybe slow down and be intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it helps to, to be fair, I can execute on that well because I have other people around me. And there's also the urge for me to pause and give them space to be in their lane. Yeah. And recognize, like, am I growing and or am I invading a lane here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> No, like the journeys are made, like it's it's literally everything, honestly. Because even in the process after we did the business plan, we were looking at we were looking at spaces. And we mm. knew we wanted to have technology, certain technology, but some stuff we didn't have to even create from scratch. Mm. We would pay tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars for technology or apps or whatever. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Some of this stuff stuff already existed. So all we had to do was embed mm-hmm. embed some things like oh through my research. Goodness. But there's just time that you do ahead of time. And, like, so, mm-hmm. I mean, the time that you spend beforehand, before just jumping into things so, like, blindly. So sometimes delays actually can be can be a blessing in disguise. And so we were looking – we had the business plan in 2016. We were looking at buildings in New York. Um, so Barclays had just – Barclays uh, – The bank? The, no, the Barclays no, Center. The, air, the, the arena. The, the arena. Yeah. Um, they had just got, it had just got built not long ago. I think it was like maybe when I, 2012 when I first moved down there and we were looking at a, like a check cashing place that would close and they just was, it was this uh, guy, I think it was a Jewish guy. He was just holding on to the building and he just had buildings like that. And so we was looking to potentially get to go into there. It was only like the real estate was crazy, but like the amount of money that it would have cost just to to be there was insane, and you know for investors it's just high mm-hmm. risk. So for for a concept that hadn't been proven yet, and so mm-hmm. then we was like, hey, let's let's come down in a growing market, faster growing market, uh, smaller but growing market, and we'll, t- we'll do a beta test here, and so make sure that it's make sure that everything is working properly, iron out the kinks. Learn every learn everything that we need to learn with this brand new model um, and make adjustments. So like now we build another one. We're like, okay, we're not gonna do this, but we're gonna do this bigger. Uh, mm-hmm. We're gonna do this small. So it's certain certain things that you learn along the journey. But um, I skipped ahead a little bit. But it's um, after we looked at Barclays, we moved down here. We found this space after I went to the agency. Like, mind you, we moved. I moved down here 2017. Oh. I was at an agency for two years <laughs> before I left to to start the process of building this. Wow. Um, we signed for this building in 2000, December 2018. I'm just showing you timelines how yeah. long how long ago it was. Mm-hmm. We didn't open until April 2021. And we signed December 2018. Think about that. We had a pandemic in that time frame. Yeah. We started construction. We didn't start construction until February 20, 2020. 
and pandemic hit, everything say, shut down March yeah, 2020. Yeah. But oh it was an essential, it was essential business. I mean, yeah. essential, uh, like business construction. Mm. So we could keep building, um, but you had delays as far as materials yeah. now. How much did your heart sink when you realized you were building a building during a pandemic that had seemingly no end? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, I just kind of look at, it was beyond me. I just wanted to, I just wanted to get it finished. And so, like, mm-hmm. we had everything done. We had renders. People, our renderings were so good that people thought we were open. But it was just dirt. Oh. <laughs> it was just dirt. Um, oh, my gosh. But, like, so we were used that as, like, like pubs. Like, people Promo, would, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like articles that covered us early. People thought yeah. we were open. But it wasn't even, it was, like, wow. just uh, structural beams. It wasn't anything yet. But that's, mm-hmm. we had all that stuff ahead of time because I knew it was important for marketing, people mm-hmm. to understand the concept. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, um, I'm gonna try to shorten this thing up some because it's <laughs> it's very long. We got robbed. I'll put it like this: we got uh, the, the pandemic hit. Yeah, we got robbed by a general contractor for half our project. They filed bankruptcy. Um, oh, abandoned us. Crazy. You talking about mindset? That's um, yeah. No, so this yeah. is the good stuff. This is yeah. what we need because again, people don't talk about stuff. it. You, they see yeah. you on stage and you're accepting this really shiny award for innovator of the year and all. Great. Yeah. How did I get here? This is the stuff. So, please. Yeah, we got robbed and um, for half our project. So, I'm like, yeah, how are we going to do this? And they filed bankruptcy, pulled all their. So, the process, even before they, re- like, left the project was crazy because I was coming on site. I'm like, where are the people? And I started, because I had started building a relationship with some of the trades already just because I'm like, hey, thanks for doing the- I'm just shaking the hand saying thank you mm-hmm. for just being out here doing hard work. And uh, some of the trades was like, yeah, we we haven't been paid. It was September, and it was like we haven't been paid since March. Wow. Um, they like, yeah, we owe like a uh, quarter million dollars. Like that's how you found out. Multiple people, like crazy. Um, I know I'm gonna say numbers, so I'm gonna leave that there. But it's uh, that's just imagine a whole bunch of trades saying stuff like wow. that. Wow. Um, we had like a lot of different trades. So basically they mm-hmm. filed bankruptcy. They arrived in Peter Pan Paul, mm-hmm. taking our money, putting it somewhere else. Oh. Um and they folded, filed bankruptcy, and abandoned the project. I had to take over as general contractor. We didn't have walls closed. We didn't have anything like that. So me and me and my guy, uh me and my guy Matt. Um not yeah. my, not not not, Matt. not that Matt. We had like thirteen mats on on site. Um but <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's no, another sorry. it's another it's another Matt. Uh Matt Kilgore. He's a great, great guy. He um he helped me finish this thing. He was he was pretty much he had a lot of experience in commercial um commercial development. And yeah, he taught he taught me a lot. My thing was as I uh, I was used to like corporate communications and stuff like that, so I did all the the project management and managed all the the contractors and stuff like that. And he pretty much managed the facility as a super mm. superintendent, and wow. we pulled this thing together. But I know every inside of this, every everything inside of every wall more than every, you ever wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, but but you think about it when you're talking about acoustically sensitive spaces um, and studio like sounds, recording studios. It's not just a regular drywall in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this room in itself is insane. Like you got four layers of what, like two layers of sheetrock on side of each stud. Every metal stud has a clip in the middle. The ceiling is like four layers tall with. Turning line duct work, and then people see the padding on the wall. 
that's just decoration at this point because you you know you just had you just all the stuff internal is with mm. it where it really does the acoustic wow. treating all the stuff you don't see yeah um, innovation <laughs> right but yeah how valuable was that though in in the sense of building a business because it I think that the, the new sexy, again, I keep using that word. I'm not sure why, um, <laughs> is to kind of build a business that you don't have to be a part of mm. and, and just kind of let it and let other people run it. And you kind of just you chill over here and you rake in the money, which, again, that's a model. You know, by all means, do mm. that. <laughs> what was the value for you in being that close to the physical building, you know, being what it is now, you you can walk around and literally kind of look at screws like, oh, I remember the day when we were putting in that door. I remember the day when mm-hmm. we carried that table. Like, what did that do for your understanding and kind of fulfillment or feeling of fulfillment now seeing it in, you know, Yeah, two, two sides to that. Sure. One side is positive. <laughs> the other side is like, I see how people are messing up the space. Um, like. <laughs> You know, like that dent wasn't there. That scratch wasn't there. Like I see that because I'm very detailed. I just try not to be as like <laughs> I try not to be as uh, strict about it or as annoyed about it because it's a commercial space. It's built to be used. Yeah. And that's wear and tear. But um, the other side, like you know how hard it was that's, that's for the, us to get. That's the real side about having a public space that mo- yeah. like. Yeah. A lot of people use yeah. it's gonna have wear and tear with yeah. the furniture, you know, stuff break, you know, equipment breaks, people drop lights, expensive lights. Yeah. This is the nature of that. well, and that's but yeah. <laughs> I think that's the nature, right? Like, yeah. You've been in the innovation and creative space for a really long time, so it's it's important that you say that we do get attached to the things that we create. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's teamwork, right? But there's a piece of ourselves embedded in the work, which mm-hmm. makes it super personal. But exactly. then you have to recognize like, no, part of the journey, as you said it so many times, the responsibility is it's born through me. I don't mm-hmm. really own it. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is for everybody else. Yeah. Exactly. So it's good exactly. that you can see like, oh, that den one there. But it's also a reminder, hey, people are using this because I made a real space for people to use. Exactly. Exactly. Working on it. Exactly. <laughs> that but is then, hashtag. Yeah. But like, but now, like, we've been it'll be open two years in April. Um, but now, like, I can say that to myself. Like, the beginning, I was like, oh, I gotta walk away. Yeah. Like, I gotta Fair walk enough. away. Like, because people don't understand how much that mural costs, and it's crazy. Like, and then you see a scratch on that, and it's like, oh, that's like you're scratching a Picasso. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> no, but for Picasso. real. Like, yeah. it's crazy. But um, not Picasso. But <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm not being dramatic. But it is, it is expensive. No, trust. It is. Um, but no, the other side of it, though, to answer your question, was the value in that expensive lesson of me having to take over in general contracting. Now and there was a there was like a crash course on how to do commercial construction. Now you understand code. You understand like um, you. I understand like how certain what certain rooms need to be properly built. Um, there were corners that they cut that I had to. Mm. They put ductwork in that that wasn't internally lined. If it wasn't internally lined, you better hear air come into this room. So yeah, it's like things like that. Oh, what a blessing! It takes the sound. So <laughs> we had to we had to strip. All of the stuff out they put in wrong to save wow. money on their end. They were doing stuff like that, like you never cutting known. corners in our construction that would be hidden. Mm-hmm. And then like, hey, why is this? Why is this not right? And you wouldn't like, know until you literally yeah. have every. Oh and because goodness. we had to take over, we we yeah. we found a lot of these things that we had to redo. Um, and but then also now when we when we try to do 
And again, this, again, this is our beta test. Yeah, this that's the blessing, test. right? Which is crazy. So this is a this, this is a beta. This is this is <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is a global vision, and the more locations we have, the stronger the vision grows. Right. Like I can't I can't reveal too mm. much at once, but like we have to make one location work before we can make the system system work. If that right. makes sense. So the more locations yeah. you have, the, the yeah. bigger your slow down, system, get to the fundamentals exactly. Yeah. And so it's wow. like a it's like a compound effect, right? So you do a whole bunch of small things, and then it looks big at one point, but then you yeah. do a whole bunch of it's just it's just stacking on top of each other. So at one point, it's going to be location stacking on top of each right. other. Right. And so um, because of that expensive lesson mm. that we had to do, now I can we can build these at, a, at gonna, a faster rate I was with understanding, say. and I can lead that versus like the me de- like blindly depending mm-hmm. on. Um, people Uh, and who can potentially take advantage of me like they did so i think that's the blessing i I, one of the the key things that i remember as i was building out cmc which was before seymour creatives and we had you know seo and ads and all those other (laughs) all the things all literally all the things (laughs) and i realized to your point of knowing all the screws knowing now you understand from soup to nuts whether or not you wanted to how this entire thing runs. Mm. If I wanted to scale the business, I needed to understand how everything that we do runs so that if someone comes in and they're doing the work, I can be like, "Uh, actually, this is the level, this is the quality, whatever. So stripping all the other things away that I could care less about, no offense to anyone who's an SEO or SEM and all all those other things. We found your lane. Right. The specific places that we went to we're now able to really dr- drill down and be really, really good because mm-hmm. not only do we have the people that are doing great, I'm also, as the creative director of the agency, able to kind of dig in and be very particular of like, okay, well, I can see that this lining is wrong because now then all the, you know, the sound's going to come down. And so you can make those comments. So thinking about now future for the innovation that you've started and talking to your younger self, which you started in 2015 in earnest, like the idea. Well, oh, uh, talking for makers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, not 2016. 16. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say? And I, I want to preface it by like thinking about this idea that could help other people that are trying to really create something ex- like brand new, never before seen. Right now that you've been on the, you're now on the other side. Of course, you're still building out. You guys still have a bunch of plans. Mm-hmm. Um. But what would you say as, like, advice? Uh, we've talked about taking it slow. We've talked about moving with intention. What were some of the key things that you think um, you would have liked to have known or that you would kind of say to your younger self, someone who has just kind of had the idea mm. and is now kind of ready to go? Um, I mean, I know we talked about people, community, mm-hmm. network a lot. Um, I think that's one of my biggest lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, so also I started my, so I had the idea of my business in 2016, but I got married in 2017. So it was in, oh. but so we were, me and my wife doing a lot of business together. I say that because I was learning a lot of lessons that like, okay, it is true that we're not meant, we're not meant to be alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not good alone. I think that's in business. I think that's a relationship. I think it's, I think it's yeah. in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, and so having a community of people to not just work with you but guide you, I think is is important. Um, 
I was blessed to have some people, you know, people along the way that fell into those areas. But mm-hmm. I was also very much so in the mindset of like, I can pull a lot of weight on my own. Um, but like when stuff like the being <laughs> robbed happened, yeah, stress when yeah. you that type of weight on your shoulders mm-hmm. by yourself, it could it's it's detrimental to your to your mental state. Uh, yeah, I was like, only way I got to, only way I could deal with that was my, you know, my brother in law is my business partner. Um, and his wisdom and support, and then also a whole bunch of prayer in quiet times in the morning because I'll be on site ready to take somebody's head off it sometimes, you know, because it was, I'm like, y'all, like, you complaining? Like, you have no idea. <laughs> um, and so, um, no, it's, that is having the community around you. I think that is so important when building, but then it also requires trust. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I didn't have, I think it's something that I'm really, I'm still working on to this day, like trusting people to to help you and to do their job properly. Um, Say that. And so. <laughs> it's so wild to hear from someone who made this type of space because mm-hmm. it's the whole place as soon as you walk in. I'm not a creative mm-hmm. by trade. I'd like to think I am creative, but I'm not a creative. Yeah. And I feel welcome here by everyone. There's zero judgment. And there really could be. There could be amongst artists, there could be a ton of ego. And there's not. Yeah. There's yeah. not. So your prayers worked because yeah. all all that's been injected into this space is room for people to collaborate. No, and that takes a very vulnerable mindset. Exactly. Growth is a vulnerable thing. Yeah. It's a collaborative thing. Um I know, like, I, we could talk all day. I know that. Um, but I want to give people a chance to find you off, mm-hmm. of, off of this podcast because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know they're going to – we've said Maker's Gem so many times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to tell our audience um, where to find more of you, where to find more of Maker's Gem. Okay. Um, my personal Instagram, or that's, I probably spend more time there than any other platform, is just at ttprice. Um, and Maker's Gym is at makersgym.com. Well, not .com, at Maker's Gym, <laughs> website makersgym.com, but it's at Maker's Gym literally on most platforms, if not all, i say almost all platforms. I don't think we're on Snapchat yet, but mm. I don't even know. I hear Snapchat, it's on the way I out. I don't even think Snapchat is a thing. Is that even a thing still? <laughs> it or? never was a thing for uh, <laughs> me, so I can't even, I can't speak to that. So, I, yeah, um, yeah, that is how you find me, though. That is at TT Price. All right. And, at Maker's Gym is is that the business. Awesome. And you can find our agency online, cmcmarketing.co. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at that handle and LinkedIn because they're weird. It's CMC Marketing Co. And you can find me, Carolee Moore, at Carolee Moore because I'm boring. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> on all the grown folk social media platforms that includes Facebook, LinkedIn, and for the most part, Instagram. (laughs) Uh, Same for me, the grown ones. I'm Melanie Rice on LinkedIn and Facebook and the real Melanie Rice on Instagram. You're welcome. Because there's a a fake one out there. You're welcome. (laughs) Yes. Um, And lastly, we want to invite you to continue this conversation with us over on Facebook. We have a growing and thriving Facebook group of amazing entrepreneurs that are trying to be more mindful. We'd love for you to come in there and add your two cents. You can find it at facebook.com slash be more mindful podcast grow getters. And as we always sign off and say, happy growing. Happy growing.